welcome to the Parents of Goers community. This podcast is for you and for me and for all of us, the stayers, as we choose to thrive with a child on mission. Today on the podcast, we have Diane, and Diane and I are friends because our kids are married to one another. So another thing we have in common, Diane, is we have the most perfect granddaughter, I think, um, that I've ever seen. Don't you agree? (laughs) I would totally agree with you. Very perfect. Yeah, we are pretty uh, enamored with her. So Diane, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family and let us get to know you a little better. Um, I live in Iowa City, and this is where we raised our our kids. And um, so we've kind of stayed in this area because they've, you know, also are kind of grounded here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Andy and I have known each other for 32 years and been married for 30. And um, we also have a son, Andy, who's uh, lives in Coralville. And then we also have Jessica, uh, okay. my daughter, who is uh, married to your son. Yeah. Sweet Joelle, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I work work out of Chicago remotely. And then I always say I've, I work, I've worked remotely before it was cool to work remote. Right. So, you were doing it before COVID forced other people to do it. Yep. Seven years I've been doing that. And Andy works for the city of Iowa City for the water plants. So we're... All right. Very grounded in Iowa City. Very grounded in Iowa City. So um, you are the mother of the goer, as am I. Um, so today we're going to talk about making the trip. But first of all, I want to um, talk a little bit about Jessica and um, tell me how she decided to go on mission. How did this whole thing get started? Like what precipitated it? Um, you know, even after she married uh, my son, Luke, like how long were they gone before? It? So they've been home for a while. Um, because of COVID. Um, So how long, you know, were they overseas? So just kind of expand on the whole pre-story and the current story. You know, um, Jessica went to um, Wuhan in Uh 2014 for a two or three week stint. And um, when she brought it to our attention, she asked us, you know, first to support her in this thing she was going to tell us. And we're like, okay, this must you, be because she's asking us to support her before she even tells us what it is. Right. Um, then she tells us that she's going to be, you know, going to China for a couple of weeks. And uh, of course, you know, we tried to hold back in kind of opinion until she was done because she seemed pretty, you know, it's kind of, it seemed like like the first adult decision that she was going to be making and she wanted to go to China and we knew it had to do with her attending Veritas. Mm-hmm. And um, we knew of Luke. So my first question was, is Luke, is Luke going to be there with you? And she said, yes, he'll, he's already, that he will already be there. And how old was she at this point? Jessica was 22 at the time. Oh, okay. 22. So, yeah. That seems really young now. I know. I know it does, especially since they both turn. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So she had asked us to um, support her in this. And so it was just interesting over those next few months to, um, you know, kind of see her grow and and be excited about going. But because she has food allergies, our life, Mm. her parents were always trying to stay a half a step ahead of her. Right. Does anybody know about her allergies? Is she going to have her EpiPen? Is somebody, can somebody help her if she needs help? And now she's asked us to feel okay about her going 
overseas. She's never been on an airplane, never been out of the country. Wow. Um, the one time she did leave our house, we um, actually fo- kind of followed her to uh-huh. Memphis for a week. We took a vacation while she was on a trip uh-huh. in case she needed us. And so it was very comforting to know that our daughter had found the strength or wanted to obtain the strength to do something big like this on her own. But, but you as a, as a mother, the fear had to be compounded because of her food allergies to right. say like, okay, we're going to trust you with this now. Right. And you know what? She had done such an excellent job and knew um, the symptoms and, and what to do about it and, and right. all of that. So we were confident, but it was going to make a definite break in our comfort zone. To send we, you, you can't, we couldn't just like follow her like we had in, down in Memphis. And again, knowing that Luke was going to be there, um, I just knew he wouldn't, and she wouldn't put herself in anything that wasn't safe. Yeah. And so they were, they'd been dating at that point, but they weren't married and she was just going to visit. Yes. And yep. work at a camp. Right. Yep. I have yep. a two stint. So it was, you know, like travel time and then be there for two weeks and then travel time back was going to be for three weeks. Got it. It was fun watching her plan and get excited, which mm-hmm. then made us excited, a little more comfortable, but we still kind of did the, um, let's buy a new suitcase and let's help you pack and let me help you dry foods and seal a meal them. So right. her letting me kind of get out some of my anxiety about the trip by helping her plan mm-hmm. really helped me a lot because I felt like she was very prepared. Right. Um, it was nice for her to take that lead role in her, in her own health and care. Yeah. Man, that last hug out the door when she got on that plane the first time was she asked us not to go to like the drop-off or she just wanted to walk out of the house and have her friend, Joelle, Mm -hmm. uh, take her to the airport. And that was probably a good idea for all of us because we had a moment of break before she like got on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was excruciating. (laughs) It's excruciating. But all the excruciating things that have happened over the last few years, I mean, it's your valleys that help you grow the most. Yep. You know, you're pushed, you're stretched, uh, you're reliant on on God and not yourself. Right. And um, so, yeah, that was quite an experience, but so, so, so very proud of my daughter. So proud. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and she's doing something she's never done. Not only are you doing something that you've never done. She's also doing something really big that she'd never done. Yes. So we were a big deal. Yes. Although we were sad, we were so proud of, uh, she got on a plane, food allergies, going to a country. There was just so many things, um, that we were very proud of her and it, it overtook the sadness that we had. Totally. So what is she? So eventually she, they came home from that, um, eventually went to, got married and went over there to live in a city that no one had heard about until COVID, Wuhan, China. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then they were, um, they came home after all the COVID stuff kind of blew up. And so what's she been doing these last year and a half? Um. From from what I gather, they're still, you know, working with their team and then trying to work with the international students here. Mm-hmm. And I know that they volunteer on Sundays and I know they're mm-hmm. trying to fill their time with, um, you know, things that still culminate 
their overall goal, whether it's trying to get back overseas or, you know, talk with people who are interested in working um, overseas. Um, Language learning. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're leading their team, team meetings, things like that. But they would love to be overseas again. It just hasn't worked out yet. Right, right. Hopefully the next month or so, maybe. (laughs) So they're hoping. We're internally saying we really like having them close. But I know that they would like to get back and get started with their lives. Well, I told your son that once um, when he told me some news that they were going to be going back overseas for a while longer. And I burst into tears at the the dinner table. And Mm -hmm. he's like, sad? And I said, well, your news either makes me sad for a moment while I'm, you know, trying to absorb what you've just said to me, or you're going to tell me that you can't get back overseas and now you're sad. I said, regardless of what your news ever is, one of the two of us is sad. Is sad. Yep. But right, right now, I mean, I feel bad that the plans that they have made the last two years haven't panned out. And now maybe the next 18 months isn't going to pan out either. Right. So as an adult, you don't have that closure. Totally. Um, you don't have a completion of a goal. Yeah. Your life was kind of ripped uh-huh. out of your hands right. without you expecting it, you know? Right. So a lot of things where, uh, you know, they maybe thought I was going to be overjoyed. I'm sad more them. than I'm happy. And maybe five years ago, yep, I'd have probably been ecstatic that they couldn't get overseas and had to come home. Right. And I just feel bad for my adult children that we share. Yeah. That they're something they wanted to do and accomplish in their life that they've worked very hard at and done a very good job at, they can't finish because right. overseas because of COVID. And so it's it's affected them. And so my my joy is diminished a little bit by their right. sadness. Their death of a dream almost. Right. And yep. what I wanted to mention today was that it's to the, you know, if we're talking to other parents. Mm-hmm of possible goers or goers, it's an interesting thing to be emotionally and financially attached to your children's job, the career that they have chosen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they raise money so that they can stay overseas. So you're financially attached to your children's right. job, which is not uh, typically what a parent is, right. but we're happy to do it. And then being emotionally attached to their job is also something um that I really wasn't ready for as a, a parent. Hmm. I am not emotionally attached to my son's job. <laughs> right, right. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he has it, but his job doesn't um, take him overseas and gone for months at a time. And and he doesn't know when and where he's going. So mm-hmm. being prepared to be emotionally attached to their career choice is mm-hmm. their calling is um, interesting. It is. It's different than, uh, yeah, any other career choice, really. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Huh. Well, let's talk about, um, so you made the trip to go see them when they were in China. Yes. So they left in uh, like January, February of 16. Right. So we had not been apart from Jessica for more than that three-week span mm-hmm. in whole life. Yeah. And, and so to not see her for a year was very, very difficult. Um, what was, made you, I know that you aren't super huge fans of flying. No. Um, and so what made you, you know, when she, when she got married and they had to stay here for a year, they wouldn't send them overseas until they'd been married. 
nearly a year when they went. Did you think that you would ever visit? Uh, my heart said yes. My anxiety said no. So how, uh, do you, how, do you, how did you decide to go? Well, we decided to go because we felt that we needed to show our support to them. If we didn't go, it was just, it was going to be on them to visit us. And, um, you know, they were on a, on a team at the time. And we just felt like if we were telling them to constantly come home to visit, that we weren't supporting them. We were just telling them what we need. And we right. felt like needed us there. So we're like, yeah, we'll make the plans. So we make the plans. And then as it starts getting real, we're like buying tickets and then we buy suitcases and then we're starting to pack food and then it's becoming real. And my anxiety like just peaks out. And about three days before um, the trip, I, I break a tooth and I need a crown and it usually takes two weeks to do. So my dentist quickly got me in and gets, wow. so two hours before we're supposed to leave for the airport, I get a crown put on. Uh-huh. But, uh, when I broke the tooth and I just broke down in this office and, and just said out loud, God, you're going to have to get me on that plane. I can't, I can't do it. And it's not like you're doing an hour and a half, two hour flight to Florida. No, we, and we actually had a, a, a back out plan. So we flew from Omaha to Salt Lake city because we knew if we didn't like the whole flying thing, we could drive home. Okay. So next flight, the next flight was to Seattle. And we had planned to stay overnight that night just to get some rest and some food and a shower before the 14-hour flight to Shanghai. Right. right. And we could also drive home from Seattle if need be. But you know what? We we got to Salt Lake City and went, that was pretty fun and that was pretty cool. So then we get to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it really wasn't a worry or concern anymore. My husband and I were just having fun doing cool. something different and new together. But when we got on that first plane in Omaha, um, I'm very claustrophobic and didn't realize the plane was just four seats. I think it was three or four seats wide. Wow. I get on the plane and went, "Mm, nope. And I turned back to my husband who's standing in the doorway of the plane. And he goes, we get to see Jessica in 24 hours. And And I changed your mind. I turned and I went, I just got to get that seatbelt on. (laughs) I just got to get the seatbelt on. And then I remembered something that Mark and Drew had said in their sermons. Mm-hmm. And Drew had said something about, there's just some times in your life where you just have to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm like, okay, just gonna walk down the aisle. And then I sat in and I buckled in and I heard Mark say, um, there's, there's times in your life where you just want to be able to say at the end of it, God did that. Wow. And so those two things got me on that plane and sat down and I'm like, all right. Here we go. Here we go. And it was a beautiful flight, uh, ice cream and, you know, as many desserts as you want. And <laughs> the stewardesses were super. I just looked her in the eye and went, never been on a plane. Uh, this Especially is, not a 14-hour flight. I was okay with the other ones because they were like an hour and a half. I knew we were going to just go up and down, right? Right, um, right. Give me some sodas back down. Right. Teen hour, I just looked at the stewardess and said, I'm needing some attention I'm just very nervous yeah. and then just check on me and bring me some hot water and bring me some like the little mm-hmm. hot cloths to wipe my face off. And I just, I was fine the whole flight. It's really good that you kind of uh, advocated for yourself and were proactive about that rather than kind of spiraling down into this panic attack, 
You know, it's really good that you kind of spoke it and almost disarmed it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then it was funny on the way back. uh, There was two, there was a steward and a stewardess and the steward, we had him on the way back too. Oh, wow. He's like, oh, he goes, you're the gluten-free meal or whatever. And And you did it. You made it. So he remembered me and then he was my steward on the way back too. So. Wow. That is a, that's a neat story. That doesn't happen very often. No. But the the trip over there to see, uh, you know, first of all, when we're we're getting our luggage, so we get off the last plane. We're it's been thirty two hours now between. Right, it's a long trip. It's, it's a yeah, very long trip. It's a very long trip of up and down and sitting in airports. But we we get off the plane and we're waiting for our suitcases to come. And there's this glass wall at the Wuhan airport. Mm-hmm. See my daughter just jumping. Oh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I see my daughter jumping up and down and I see my, my husband, who's now taller than everybody else, <laughs> in right. the, getting our suitcases. And then just um, seeing her joy was totally worth, you know, all the anxiety that we felt and money spent and time and exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And she took us around the city that she was so proud of and took us to her vegetable lady and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to see where they're living and she was proud of her little house and made us dinner and it was just it was very joyous so we were there I think 17 days wow um Luke had found us this cute little I guess first we stayed in um there was another couple there in the same complex we stayed in their apartment all right and then we stayed with them for a while so that was yeah it was fun and then of course we had to make the second trip because you Oh. And you did it again. Yeah, but that was two years later or a year later? Just a year later. So it was about 14 months later. You and I are like, we got to go back because we're going to we have-, have this baby. So you went first to right. Shanghai mm-hmm. where she was born and helped him for, what, were you there for a week or so? Oh, I think we were there for 10 days. Okay. Yeah. And as soon as I think. It wasn't a day or two after you got back. We headed out yeah. weeks to just help with Joelle and being a new mom. And I think it's so wonderful that both you and I got to spend time with our kids and not just see Joelle, but just witness them being parents for the first time was was a, such Priceless. a blessing. Yeah, and I was, I was, um, you know, the first time we went, so we actually made the trip three times. And the first time we went, I remember seeing both of their faces in the crowd and then just gravitating toward them and thinking, these are the most beautiful faces I have ever seen because I had not seen them face to face for so long. You know, we, we just, yeah, it was, it was kind of a surreal experience. And then when we went back, um, either the second or third time and saw, you know, they are in a hospital, which is also a strange experience because it wasn't the same type of hospital that you have in America. And so that was kind of strange. And then to see them with a baby, that was even more like, whoa, I just, you know, we got off the airplane, we went on a subway, we took a bus to the hospital, Luke met us outside and took us in. And it was just, it it kind of is a dream-like memory for me because we went in the hospital, there's Jessica sitting with this brand new baby. And so it was our first grandchild. So number one, I'd never been a grandma before. Number two, they're 
they're in China and all the nurses are trying to speak to me and Chinese and there's this new baby and it's my granddaughter. And it was just such a, a different experience for me. So you're kind of exhausted, you know, after all the flying. And so there's just a lot of emotions that go on and, you know, you have to get the jet lag kind of, you have to take care of that and sleep and drink a lot of water. And so it's not just hopping on an airplane and getting somewhere. There's a lot of planning and a lot of, just a lot of adjustment to get there. Right. But I would definitely say that it's um, it's worth the trip to go see where your kids are at. and uh, Definitely. And what's driving their excitement and their mm-hmm. desire to be there and to stay. Uh-huh. And it doesn't matter if you understand it when you leave. It matters that you went and witnessed it so that, you know, now when Jessica talks about the vegetable lady, I know... That was a couple bus stops away and, you know. You can picture the vegetable lady. Right, right. Yeah. And um, the sights and sounds and the the honking. The honking. Honking And the (laughs) smells. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just concrete buildings. Uh It's different and the plants are different. And I mean. People are different in the way that they communicate. Mm -hmm. I remember standing a line and people kind of shoving. And um, I was thinking, wow, they're being rude. And Luke said, no, they just do that here. People just think of it as normal, like shoving on a bus or shoving in a line. It's not considered rude or antisocial. It's just kind of how they operate. So that helped me just to know like, oh, they don't have the same society and don't have the same societal mores that we do. You know, they're, they're a different culture. It was really healthy for me. Right. And then to see, like every time I got on a bus or a subway, if mm-hmm. we were than anyone else, they would give us their seat. Yeah, they're very if, polite and very and hospitable. Young, yeah, if a young person wouldn't move, mm-hmm. they were nudged by someone else to give us the seat. Yeah, yeah, but I was surprised at that. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Uh, and I did always like when they would like. Of course, they're going to talk about how you know tall Luke is, or yeah, his feet are. You know, because in Wuhan, it's not like a touristy town. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, me with my red hair and my husband with long hair and then Luke's tall and Jessica's a tiny little thing. Yeah. Um, we were, we had people stop to take pictures with us. Yeah. And then people on the subway, we could tell that Luke was listening to them talk about him. And then he would talk, like have a conversation back with them and their eyes would get really big because they didn't know he could speak Chinese. Why would he know how to speak Chinese? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then so also, talk- yeah, go ahead. What's the, like, what's the biggest advantage? Like if someone was on the fence, like, I don't think I can do this. It's too far away. I've never flown that far. Why should they go? Why should parents go? It's, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that I think every parent does, but I think especially with Jessica staying, trying to stay a half a step ahead of her. Yeah. Making sure everything's Okay. Um, and I've talked to you about this before. It's fun trying to stay a half a step behind my kids now and mm. them lead me through, uh, their adventure and their life. So instead of trying to protect Jessica, mm-hmm. it's fun to ask her, what, what do you need from us? Can we watch Joelle? Mm-hmm. Do you need anything? Um, so it's, it's nice being able to, I mean, it's, it's that it's, probably for a lot of people, if they're going in their early twenties, it's a flip moment for the parents 
to become not necessarily their friend, but more of a supporter of the kid's dream and to go there and show them that we saved up money. We are Mm -hmm. taking vacation time. We are doing something we didn't think we'd ever do. We went and got visas Mm. and all that. And that's how much we love you and support what you're doing. And I think it's important. Yeah, it definitely supports them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. And it doesn't matter that I miss them. They know that. It doesn't matter that it costs me a lot to go. They know that. It's that we set all of that aside to go for them, I think, is the important part as a parent. I agree. And and another thing I gained was I gained admiration for what they were doing. Not only did they speak to the people in a different language, which I they were kind of my guide when I was there because I was kind of helpless. So we did switch that way, too. They kind of became the, almost the leader. Mm-hmm. Um they knew the language. They knew the city. I was just amazed how confident Jessica was on public transportation when we went places with her, just super confident. And um, so they kind of became almost like the parent in some sense. And we were the kids because they were showing us this life that they were very proud of. And it had taken a lot for them to get there also. So it, I just gained um, an appreciation for them as as people, not just our kids anymore, they become adults. And I gained an appreciation for what they had to do to adjust to a new culture. There's a lot of differences. Right. Yeah. So I think it's maybe not always feasible for everyone, but if it, if you can swing it in any way, I would really encourage you as a, you know, people listening as a parent, man, if you can go and visit your kids where they are, I think that just that just really enriches your whole understanding of what they're doing. Absolutely. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And yep, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So if you were to give one, um, one word of advice for the, let's say the mother listening, that's just really um, bound by fear about maybe anxious about flying or anxious about going to a different culture, um, just anxious about the whole thing. How would you, encourage her? How would you give her courage to take the next step? Um, I think because we were pretty, the, the goers, you know, it was pretty new when it was yeah. under us. Um, I would ask the goers to give me a list of mothers that are willing to talk to them. That's to, excellent. To have this same conversation. And so that you don't feel alone, mm-hmm. that you're the one crying when they leave and yep. crying when you hang up from the, um, uh, video calls and you don't know how to get a package to them at Christmas. Right. And educate yourself on where they're going. Um, we learned like 30 words yep. in Chinese before we left, you know, I'm hungry. <laughs> I would like some hot water. Mm-hmm. I'm lost. You know, we just learned a couple of basic things. And I think, like you said earlier, when you educate yourself and say it out loud, it, mm-hmm. uh, it takes away the power of the anxiety. Right. And just the, educate yourself and talk to somebody because you you are not alone in any feeling of sadness or anxiety mm-hmm. have. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Creating this community of, uh, you know, parents who um, have sent their children overseas, I think is a super healthy thing. And we need to draw on those connections because like you said, we, I, I was, you were a real lifeline for me when they went overseas because I didn't know anybody else whose kid was overseas, just you. You know, so right. not everyone we were, has that. We were, just um, kind of, we were just bouncing our sadness off of each other. Exactly. Yes. Where now I think we can bounce 
not just sadness, but knowledge and support. Yep. And And just um, endurance. You know, we've endured the, you know, been through the whole gamut of emotions. And so, yeah. And things are still hard. Like I remember seeing our granddaughter, Joelle, for the first time and then having to leave her to go home. That was very, very hard. So (laughs) the the ends and the beginnings and the meetings and the departures are always going to be tough. But I think if there's any way um, that you as parents can make the trip, it's totally worth it. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So I think that's, we need to wrap it up, but I think those are words of wisdom for um, people sitting on the fence about, I don't think it'd be that valuable. No, no, no. We we think it's very valuable. So do it. Um, It really helps for you to see your kids in their environment. It really gives you a greater appreciation for what they're doing. And it'll just bring joy to your heart to be in person with them. So Yeah. So thanks for being here and discussing making the trip. And um, yeah, we we have both done it and we think it's a really good thing. And so we're encouraging any parents listening today to go make the trip, go see your kids. So. Grandma Tori, always nice to talk to you. Grandma Diane, thank you very much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye.